But Crystal's reaction was was the opposite of that. She said, don't go get another job. You're burnt out. Let's go do our own thing. And we've been doing real estate investing for uh, seven, eight years um, at that point. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome to the Gentle Art of Crushing It show. I am Marta. I am your host. And we have a couple of wonderful guests with us today. We have Crystal and Robert Thompson joining us. Um, and they are owners of Big Rock Candy Mountain Resort in Severe, Utah. Um, before we dive into uh, the resort and, um, and that piece, I would love to hand it over to Robert and Crystal to introduce themselves and give us a little bit of a bio uh, about each of them. Yeah, thanks Marta for having us on today. The, uh, so I'll go ahead and start. I'm Robert Thompson. So I grew up in California in a very, very small town. Uh, you know, humble beginnings, um, didn't come from wealth or anything. And uh, I decided to go to college in Utah where I met Crystal. We got married, uh, believe it or not. Um, after even, even though the first date I took her on, she went home that night and wrote in her journal that it was the worst date she'd ever been on. So... <laughs> But and here we are. I was able to overcome that. <laughs> yeah, we're still here. Yeah. So I was able to woo her, win her over, and uh, she decided to take me in, you know, like a homeless puppy or something. Um, but anyway, so uh, my, my background, my career background is in marketing, uh, sales and marketing, and I've done that for a dozen years. And, and, we, and we just started getting into real estate investing, and that kind of led us to the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Additionally, we have six kids and a uh, dog, a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, and a cat, which wow. has, I'm well, sure, we'll a lot of needs. We'll talk about time management later, um, how you guys manage that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Crystal, how about you? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm from Utah originally. I was born and raised in Payson, Utah. And same as Robert, I uh, there were eight people in our family, um, six six of us kids as well, and we grew up in a two-bedroom, one-bath house. I actually slept in a closet for a good portion of my childhood, and um, I just uh, remember I've always been obsessed with real estate, and I told my mom, I said, someday I'm going to own a two-story house, <laughs> and I was just really excited about that. And, um, now we're not in a two-story house now, but um, I was at one point, so I did reach that dream. But uh, the other thing is, I always just wanted to be a mom, and so I have I I've reached both my dreams. I uh, have six children, and we are loving building this real estate empire. So, um, and Big Rock Candy Mountain is just another huge step. Um, in our real estate journey. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, that sounds like an amazing journey so far, you guys. Um, uh, <clears throat> Robert, you mentioned you were in marketing. And so now I, 
can you talk a little bit about that transition? Like what got you guys from like corporate world to then real estate and then just running your own business? What, what was that like? Yeah. So I was following a career trajectory. Like a lot of people, you know, you go to college, you get your first job and you move up the corporate ladder and, and that's what I did. I moved up the corporate ladder, you know, progressively, you know, start out, started out very entry level and moved up into management, took on a lot more responsibility, uh, became a marketing, marketing executive, started running teams, managing multi-million dollar budgets. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun for, for a while, but then it started becoming less fun. And then my most recent job was way less fun. Uh, and, and I just started to get burnt out of the job and uh, didn't love it. And in January, I decided to leave that, that, uh, that job behind. And, and it was funny because usually when, you know, somebody, you know, quits their job, leaves their job, their spouse, in this case, it would have been my wife. Their first reaction is what you quit your job, go get a job yesterday because we've got six (laughs) kids. We've got to feed the family. But Crystal's reaction was, was the opposite of that. She said, don't go get another job. You're burnt out. Let's go do our own thing. And we'd been doing real estate investing for uh, seven, eight years um, at that point. And so I didn't know if I was 100% ready to jump into that yet, but we decided, uh, so I started interviewing for jobs and everything. In the meantime, we were looking for you know a business to start, to buy, and Crystal had really wanted to do glamping, like start a glam ground as uh, an addition to the real estate we'd already purchased. And so that's kind of the direction we took. Um, yeah, Robert, when he first started out in the corporate world, all the jobs he had didn't offer your traditional like retirement plans, pensions, or 401k matching. And so there was really no um, like retirement strategy that we were following. But I had just always said, I want to do real estate. I want to do real estate. And actually, a lot of the companies he worked for did teach about real estate investing. Um, but both coming from humble beginnings, we really didn't have any money to start real estate investing. Um, or parents to give us money or, to get it started. Yeah, when we bought our first house, um, I actually worked as a travel uh, traveling scrub tech and because I heard they paid more money, they paid for housing and things like that. And we were able to stay with Robert's brother who was stationed um, in the Navy in South Carolina. So we were able to save double the money um, because we needed $5,000 for a down payment on our first home. And and we worked really hard to save that money. And I remember remember when we went to the closing table, the the loan, uh, the the title agents were like, said, you're one of the only... Uh, couples that have been buying a house in this neighborhood that actually brought their own down down payment to the table. Everyone else was gifted it from uh, their parents or things like that. So I just thought that was interesting because Robert and I were very unfamiliar with the concept of people just giving us people having money. And so uh, when we were, we'd finished up college and Robert was getting his MBA I think he had just finished up or he was finishing up his MBA. We had four young children at the time and we had a friend whose parents had passed on and she had inherited money and she, she had poor credit though. She had filed bankruptcy a couple times. And so she wasn't in a position to get any loans to invest the money she'd inherited. 
well, we had no money, but we had great credit. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we actually teamed up with her and that's where our real estate investment journey began. Very and from cool. there, we just uh, saved and built our wealth and were able to start buying our own properties um, with the money that we had. And yeah. Yep. So it was a mutual beneficial um, partnership. We started out with multifamily because that's what everyone's raging about is multifamily properties, multifamily. Yeah. So that's got to get some start, duplexes right? and duplex. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I think we got like four duplexes um, and we found out real quick that being a landlord is not fun and didn't love it, but. And everybody hates their landlord, <laughs> you know, like, no, I've never heard anybody say, oh my goodness, my landlord is so cool. He takes thousands of dollars from me a month. He's the best, you know? Uh, and we weren't terrible landlords, but it was, um, one of, one of the properties was a rent by the room cause we were close to a college town. And I learned really quickly the art of ghosting that these young students would do. So I'd load up my young kids. I'd have to drive 30 minutes to this property to meet these um, young students to show them the property only to be ghosted and have them not show up. And it got really old really fast. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so HGTV was really popular with house flipping at the time. And we're like, man, in 30 minutes, they like make over a hundred grand on these beautiful They find properties. a house, they close on it, they rehab it, and they profit like 120 grand. Yeah. That can't be that hard, right? So we sold a couple of our multifamily units and by that time point they'd appreciated a little bit, not like the crazy boom we saw the last year um, or so, but we were able to profit a little bit and then roll it in to start flipping properties. And we did about four or five houses. Um, and then we found out that that's, it's a lot more work than HGTV makes it out to be as well. <laughs> they do so it. In I'm probably never... Yeah. I know, <laughs> yeah. but just as much drama, you know, like there's definitely the drama there with every house. Yes. We had a house completely fall in on itself. So that was, that was interesting. Um, but so from there, we'd always talked about like, at that time, it was just considered like a vacation rental. We'd always talked about vacation rentals. Now everyone knows them as short-term rentals. Or Airbnbs. Or Airbnbs. Or but at that point, we're like, people have these vacation homes and they rent them out. And I loved that idea of um, a home that we could go to whenever, whenever we'd like to. And then someone's not living in it full time and possibly trashing it. And we actually went on a vacation to uh, Moab, which is a popular, one of the most popular national parks is right outside of Moab. It's Arches National Park. Mm -hmm. And I remember Robert was looking at booking us a hotel and he said, well, there's, you know, your traditional hotel, which everyone usually books. It's got two queen beds and it's, I think it was like $90 a night. And, and then he's like, I'm like, okay, I guess book it. And he's like, or I was looking on Airbnb, this new site, and they have this townhome with like four bedrooms, three bathrooms, and it was like $30 more. It was like $120 a night. And I was like, wait, we can stay somewhere without our kids being in the same room? Because if anyone goes on a trip with kids, it's not fun when you're all yeah. in the same room. Nobody sleeps. It's absolutely miserable. Yeah. Um. And so that really, that trip changed our whole viewpoint of like, hey, this is how vacations can be. And that was really the turning point that set our sights on um, 
short-term rentals and yeah and just how great they could be so yeah yeah so um so that's your short-term rental multifamily sort of journey and then what happens to so you also had the glamping idea what what happened yeah. to like you know pivot you guys from multifamily short-term rentals to now you know glamping big candy mountain resort i'm curious to hear about like how this this idea and came to life um well we after we we got our first short-term rental and we loved it so much we got a second we got a third and i see all these people that are starting this glamping and when you buy a property like a short-term rental you're looking at as an investor you have to put 20 to 25 percent down and then depending on the size of the unit it takes you know anywhere from 10 to 30 thousand just to furnish it so all in just to get started on one unit um, I know one of them we were all in like 70,000 another one was like 150,000 and the returns are good but for a glamping I see where you have a piece like land and you can put a teepee up you know that costs like six thousand dollars furnish it for two thousand and you're renting it for three hundred dollars a night which is like the same price as you're renting these other units where right. instead of investing 70 grand you've now invested you know eight grand and so and then you can put multiple units on the land and it's not appreciating as much as real estate does but the business is there and so i was very intrigued by that and i said you know what this is this is where we need to to move to like start you know moving our our sights on this and so we started looking at land and um you know, different possible areas. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot. No, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Um, and so we looked at a lot of different lots, but with real estate, there's a lot of factors you have to consider. Is the zoning correct? Can you put multiple units on a lot? Is it, you know, is it zoned correctly? Is there water? Can you, can you even put, can you put a septic in? Can you bring bathrooms in? Do you need to drill a well? Do you need, you know, there's so many factors when you're dealing with raw land. Is there an attraction nearby? Why would people come to mm -hmm. your teepee in the middle of nowhere? You know, is there yeah. a hot spring nearby? Is there like a, a canyon, like a climbing canyon? Who knows, you know? So. Yeah, and being in Utah, we've had really good success being close to national parks. And we have a lot of national parks close to us. And so that's why um, short-term rentals, we try to stay, you know, geared towards there. Um, but all the land we're looking at, there's really nothing there. So, I mean, you can try and build something, but it just became more complicated. So I remember seeing this video of a couple that bought a campground RV park. And I was like, oh, you could just buy one. And I don't know why I hadn't thought of it earlier, but I was like, you could buy one. And that way it's already zoned correctly. You already have units, you know, um, you have that value add where you can add more. You, you probably have a customer base built in. Yeah, and it's probably close to something that's exciting. And then you already have space where you've already got hookups or water where it'd be super uh, easy to add a glamping unit. And so I, that's when I switched gears. And instead, I started searching for campgrounds, RV parks, small resorts. And I really just started by like 
Googling because I'm like, how does one find a campground? I don't know. So I a campground just, for sale. You yeah, know, for sale. Where how do these exist? So I just started Googling and I came across like commercial real estate sites where they sell special, it's considered like specialty real estate or hospitality. So those were kind of the ones I was looking under. And I found a lot of stuff in the Midwest. And, um, but we weren't ready to like uproot our lives. You know, we were very comfortable where we were. Finally had that two story house. <laughs> Wasn't giving that up. More than one bathroom. And, um, so we were like, no, we need something more that we can, um, something closer to home. But everyone in Utah is an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to, you know, do a business or things like that. I feel like, and so it's really hard to find anything here. And it is a high adventure, um, state exactly. where there is a lot to do. And, you know, lots of people have similar ideas. Um, so I was on one of those commercial, you know, sites and that's when I came across the big rock candy mountain listing and I almost didn't believe it when I saw it. Cause I was like, is this real? Cause we'd been there like a year or two, a couple of years before previously, yeah. and we had no idea. Yeah. We had no idea. Everything was there. I remember we, cause big rock candy mountain is on your way to Bryce Canyon, which is one of the main national parks in Utah. And we just stopped there for a day, floated down the river. Our kids did some zip lining. Um, it was actually climbing. in 2020 during the pandemic, during that summer when everybody was going stir crazy in their houses. <laughs> and we were all looking for outdoor activities to do because everything was closed. And so yeah. we're like, man, what, what's around here? So we found, hey, floating down the river at, uh, at the Big Rock Candy Mountain. And we'd never heard of it. So, yeah, we floated down the river. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, we, we, I've heard of this. and But I looked at the listing, and it was seven years old. So I'm like, mm, I don't seven think it's still for old? sale if it's been for sale. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, there's no way this listing is still active, that someone hasn't picked it up yet. So I called, and he said, yeah, it's for sale. And I'm like, really? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And... um uh, it just turned out, I think the owner was very attached to the property. He was getting on in age, though. He's, you know, in his mid-80s, dialysis three times a week. He's getting, he's getting older. He's getting on. But he loves the property. He's loved Big Rock County Mountain. He picked it up in the 90s at, like, an auction. And he's always loved For owning. pennies on the dollar. Yeah, he's always oh. loved owning it. But his family was like, we don't want it when you're like, you need to sell it, you know. So he kind of has driven every potential buyer away. And when we saw it, we came and looked at it and it was just, it was amazing. Like it was, we had no idea there was so much there because when we stopped and we just flowed down the river, we didn't notice cabins on the river and a, a hotel and a restaurant and an RV park. And we didn't even notice the train cars you can stay in. So, um so when we walked it, we were very, we were pleasantly surprised and very excited about the opportunity. However, we were looking to spend like, I don't know, like 300,000 on a resort, you know, not 3 million. So, well, 300,000 on a piece of land and yeah. then and develop it. But yeah, so three, <laughs> three and a half million was a little bit more than we thought we were going to be paying for something when we set out on the adventure, but it, uh, it worked out. Well, and, I'd never dealt in millions. How does one go about acquiring a property that's over $3 million, you know? And um, 
and the numbers because it hadn't hadn't really been ran to its fullest capacity the numbers did not make sense for an SBA loan to pick it up the numbers weren't there and so we had to get creative with our financing and that's where we were able to um, secure seller uh, seller financing on the property uh, with 10% down and so we were actually able to get a home equity line of credit out on one of our other properties and that's how we were able to secure the property. Very cool. So I'm curious. So the you're saying the seller passed up multiple buyers. The property was on the market for seven years. What made it such that he was convinced that you guys were the right buyers? I just think we were stubborn. We were as stubborn <laughs> as him. We didn't go away. Yeah, he tried to chase us away multiple times, and we just kept on coming back. You know. Yeah. So he. Um, uh, yeah, he was a very shrewd negotiator. We'd agree on one thing and we'd move on to another to discuss and then he'd suddenly change his mind on the other thing or flip this one or and I think he was just trying to like frustrate us and it was extremely frustrating. So frustrating. Um and I was just like what is happening? Like who does this, you know? Yeah. Um but I and I even asked that his agent I was like what is going on? And he's like honestly, he I think he just wants you to go away. Like he doesn't want to sell it and he just wants you to go away. And I said, well, we're not going away. Like we have felt very strongly this is where we're supposed to be. And whether he's ready to sell now or in the future, like we'll be here. Like this is where we need to be. This is what we need to be doing. And so we just, we didn't get, we didn't give up. <laughs> so, Cause there were many times, many panic attacks and anxiety that went into just the negotiation of the property. Um, but we knew it was meant to be and that's where we were supposed to be. And that at that same time, that was kind of why I was telling Robert, um, don't, don't get another job because if, because we didn't know for sure if we'd get the property or not. And up until that point, he'd been the breadwinner. You know, he'd been, he was nine, you know, nine to five every day, making the money. I stayed home with the kids and then I did the real estate on the side and I kind of managed our investments. Um, but this was not something I could do on the side. This is a full-time, full team and so that's why I said, if we get this, like, we need to do this all together, full time. So, um, and that was when I was like, don't get a job. We might get Big Rock. You know, we, this can be our job. This is what we can do. So Awesome. Ah, I, I love the team effort. Um, so how long did it take from when you guys started pursuing Big Rock to when you actually closed on it? Yeah, so we found the property in... February and we ended up closing on the property in May. Yeah. Okay. So since it was seller financing, since it was seller financing, we told them we can close in two days. Like we have the money, we're ready to go. Um, but it was such um, an entangled deal. Like um, there were so many. Well, it took a long time to negotiate. It was a lot of back and forth and yeah. back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough. It was crazy. <laughs> And then um, they'd owned the property for a long time and they'd done a lot of uh, business deals and tax deals and stuff um, with so many entities that they'd had over the years because we bought it from an investment group. Essentially, that's how their business was set up. So um, 
usually on a title report, you have, you know, like the title agent will get a, a page of like an email with a page of, hey, here's the details. Uh, the, the usually title. there's no attachments or there's like a couple, you know what I mean? Things uh, that things need to be that... cleared from the title. So you have a clear title and you're clear to close. Yep. But this one had page after page after page. How many pages? Like 30, 60? Like 30. It was over 30, 30 pages. I think. And it was, and so our title agent had to work for a month as like almost mm -hmm. her exclusive project to unwind so many deals that were attached to the property. So we wanted to close and well, we wanted to close in like February, March, but then we thought we were going to close in April, but we didn't end up closing until uh, early May. And the season starts May 1st. And our goal was we want to close two months before at least so that we have time to get it up and running, like, you know, to do the fixes we need to, to get everything stocked, ready to go. Get all the business entity stuff set uh -huh. up, the merchant accounts, get, uh, you know, the, we had, we bought a convenience store that, um, you know, as part of the deal that. That was empty when Gift we bought it and we had no suppliers. We had no products to sell or anything, but we, you know, we had staff there and that's where people checked in. So that was a mad scramble after the season started to, to get all those products in there. Um, we have a restaurant and we're still, still working on getting that going. Um, I mean, there's, there's just so many things we wanted to remodel. Like I think Crystal said, remodel all the cabins and just do a lot of maintenance that hadn't been done. But since the season had started and people had booked everything, there were no gaps where we could just shut down like cabins and remodel them. So we just kept them open in their current state. Um, but since the season, our main season has ended, we've shut, we've closed off that, the, that lodging and, uh, and we've already started to remodel it. But yeah, at the beginning, it was very much building the parachute on the way down, trying to hoping that we'd survive, you know, uh, um, mentally, you know, just get to get it all stuff, all the stuff done. Yeah. Nothing like jumping into the fire. Um, yeah. So tell me a little yeah. bit about what you guys are doing. Cause I, I see pictures on LinkedIn all the time and I'm like, Oh my God, what are they doing now? You know, like I just love keeping up with your updates. So tell, tell us a little bit about like what you've done so far since you've owned the property and what are you foreseeing for the future? Yeah. So, so far, um, a lot. Uh, <laughs> So the big things that we've done, we've cleaned up a lot of the property. We've paint, done a, lot, a ton of painting, a lot of uh, maintenance fixes that had just been neglected over the years. And we're still doing a lot of those, replacing some of the roofs that, that have just been in desperate need of replacing for 10, 15, 20 years or so. Um, and, uh, and like internet, for example, too. There's, there's hardly any internet. We're so remote, there's no internet out here. The only internet they had was DSL internet which if you've been alive you know, for long enough, the, the listeners here, DSL internet was uh, the top tier internet in like 2002, right? <laughs> That's what you got. And it was, it was a step above dial up, you know, like you didn't have yeah, to like yeah, connect yeah. with the modem every time. You need good. to get on. So it goes through your phone line. Yeah. You need to get on Elon Musk's what, like satellite list or something like that. Yeah. And that's what we did. I, I was like, I knew Starlink existed and I thought, man, there's a huge waiting list. Better get on this now. But because we are so remote and nobody is, is using Starlink out here, um, I was able to get a Starlink a satellite in two weeks. Wow. And so I was able to get that. And then I was able to actually end up ordering four of them so we could get more coverage at our resort. So we went from having one spot 
uh, DSL internet that got maybe eight megabits per second to um, lots of areas of our resort get over 100, 100, megabit, 100 megabits per second consistently. That's so awesome. now we have high-speed internet. Yeah, and then we've been able to add things like we had to add a couple teepees. We um, fixed up a couple cabins that just weren't being used. Um, that never been used. So I got to start on my glamp ground. Yeah, start so on a glamp ground. Adding add, so many spots to just have value add. There's so much value add in the property that just wasn't being utilized. Um, and then also um, the, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, the website. They The website was like from the nine, you know what I mean? Like 2000, like when internet was first invented, you know? Yeah. It was It was yeah. old and it was super hacked. Like when we took over the the website, um, I logged in and there were over 30,000 black hat uh, blogs that had been posted on the back end of this website. It was it was really bad and it was just slow and clunky. And um, so we and it wouldn't sync with websites like Airbnb and Verbo, which is honestly like one of the top places people go when they search for a place to stay. So we had to find a platform that would integrate with all these third parties and so we did redid our whole website mid season. And that that was a big undertaking, Huge. but it was it was absolutely a, necessary. A game changer too. Um and then really just getting the word out about it because when we bought it, um the old owner said, you know, we were telling him some of our ideas about internet and marketing and he's like, "Oh, you don't need to market. People just drive down the highway and and they'll see it and that'll be your marketing." And we're like, well, nobody drives down this highway anymore. They all go down the main freeway. And people plan their trips in advance. No one's going to just stop in and stay, you know. And so really that's been huge. Lots of people are like, I didn't even know this place existed. And we're only like two hours south of like the main hub of Utah, you know. Yeah, people who grew up in Utah and are older than 50 generally know about the Big Rock Candy Mountain and the resort in the area. People under the age of 40 who grew up in Utah most, mostly do not. And I looked into our database when, I, when we uh, bought the company. I got access to the database and I did an analysis. And only 40% of our customers historically come from the state of Utah, which is a huge miss. Every like 90% of our customers should be coming from the state of Utah because it's the closest – uh, population hub to where we are. And then we should still be getting people from other, other areas in addition to it, but people just don't know about it. And that's one of our big projects is letting people know that the big rock candy mountain, uh, and the big rock candy mountain resort exists and what there is to do in the area, you know, cause we have t- 2,500 miles of ATV trails. We've got a river that you can whitewater raft down or do lazy floats on. We've got a zip lining course right next door to us. We've got rock climbing. We've got, uh, there's some hot springs just 10 minutes away from us. We've got there's a bike trail that ends right at our property or starts. It's paved and it follows the old railroad, um, along the river. It's beautiful. And so things like that, like they weren't renting bikes, they weren't renting tubes, they weren't renting ATVs, like all these missed opportunities, you know, that we like immediately like bought tubes, you know, got yeah. bikes, you know, Oh my we, goodness. Um, so many revenue ATV yeah, sorry. So many revenue yeah. streams to like tap into there. That's great. Yeah, that they just the, the previous owners had just missed out on, right? And yeah. and there's and even at the resort, there are a lot of interesting things like our train cars. People people drive by there all the time, and they drive in and they, they look around. And they're like, "What is this?" You know, and there aren't there's not enough signage to tell people this is what this is. They're tiny homes. You can stay in them. You can rent those out. 
And we've done a couple tours of, uh, or three or four tours on TikTok of these train cars. We've had millions of views. They've gone viral. Like almost every single video we post of these train car tours go vi- goes viral because it is so interesting, right? Yeah. And once again, it's just a missed opportunity to let people know this exists, right? And along with the signage, that's another one of the things we've really been doing around the resort is adding better signage because people just don't know what what's happening here. And, um, and then just really just freshening everything up. Everything just looks really tired. And so we're just giving everything a fresh, like freshening it up, new artwork, new paint, new bedding, nice pillows that aren't, you know, flat. And, not pancakes. And, um, yeah, just a lot of that. The, we have four cabins down by the river and one of them's like four units. And so really it's like seven. And right now we're working on getting beautiful wood tongue and groove all throughout them and new flooring. So those are all being updated right now. And then we're going to be updating the convenience store. Like Robert said, we just took over the restaurant. Before that, we had some awesome people that were uh, leasing it and we're running it. But we're excited to take that on. And so that's going to be a whole nother learning curve. So it's really like <laughs> I was just looking for glamping. And instead, we got like 10 businesses in one. <laughs> yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, that's amazing. Um, it's been quite the learning Robert, I, I'm curious to to kind of hear from you. Like, how has this transition been for you going from a corporate job to something entrepreneurial like this? Yeah. So, Crystal and I have always had the entrepreneurial, uh, you know, spirit, and so we've you know we've always had a side hustle um, ever since we've been married. Whether that was buying stuff at yard sales or online and flipping them for a profit, or doing, you know, Crystal made doll beds for a while and we sold them on Etsy. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, that nobody had masks for sale. Everybody was out of masks. So we, we, uh, we, Crystal and her sisters, uh, started sewing masks and I put them online, you know, and we sold, I think something like $30,000 worth of masks in like, uh, like a month and a half, um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Cause there was demand for it. Cause nobody had them. Right. right. So we've always been entrepreneurial and just, uh, just when an opportunity comes up, you know, we say, well, why not us? Why don't we do that? You know, so we've, we've always had that. And so I, I had that, we've had that experience. And then also just, uh, the corporate experience I had, I have had, um, I was able to, it's been a pretty easy transition because a lot of the things that I'm doing are the business side of things, the things that I have experience in the marketing, the business setup, the, uh, management of the business type, um, uh, assets that just need to get done. And so, uh, it's, it's not a, like a seamless transition, but it's, it's been pretty good. It's been scary too, though, because we do have six kids Yeah. and just usually you have like a steady paycheck that, you know, we'd get, you know, a paycheck twice a month and I would budget from that. And now it's like, we don't know when, when a paycheck is coming. And for a while, cause I'm a real estate agent, um, as well. And so for a while it was just like, if I sold a house, I needed to save up every dime and try to like budget for who knows how long till I could sell or, you know, another home. And so for a while there, it was pretty, it was a little bit stressful, but, um, but we're, we're in a groove now where, uh, where we're at least paying ourselves a, a, we pay ourselves a salary. A salary it's, now. <laughs> it's definitely not as much as I was, uh, I was making no. as a marketing executive, as you can imagine. So 
but um, it's it's been good, you know. And then we have our our other, you know, our real estate assets that you know the cash flow that we have from our other properties, and so. But it's uh, yeah, there's been a lot of transitions, and then the biggest transition I would say was just our move from our previous house uh, in Spanish Fork, Utah. You know, um, Crystal talked about that one. We moved from a five thousand square foot house with you know three and a half bathrooms um, to a how big is this house? 1,500 square feet? Yeah. 1,500 square foot house with one bathroom and eight people living in the house, right? Yeah. So that's been wild. And the kids' school was, you know, it was a, it was a decent size elementary school um, right. and where they had hundreds of kids and every grade had, you know, five or six classes, you know, per grade. And the school our kids go to now, there's like 32 kids preschool through sixth grade. Wow. And so it's, um, and so there's two, two grades per teacher. So preschool and kindergarten are together. First and second grade together are together. Third and fourth, fifth and sixth. And so I, I joke around that we just pack up our kids' uh, slate and chalk, put it in their backpack, and, and send them off to the schoolyard. <laughs> you know, old school style. But um, yeah, it's definitely been an adjustment moving to rural Utah. Um, uh, but it's been good. It's been really good, and our kids seem to enjoy it. And yeah, her daughter told us today, she's like, I never want to move away. You guys can't move again until until I move out of the house and go to college. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, But really, the best part is just working together because, I mean, we really like each other. I mean, that's why we got married, despite my first journal entry after our first date. But um, we do like being around each other, and I love that we get to work together. And it's really just, it's the best thing in the world, getting to work, live uh, and love just your best friend. That's awesome. What advice would you give others that are trying to pursue a similar type of project? Don't do it. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, know your numbers. That's what I always say is know your numbers, like do your numbers over and over again and do worst case scenarios. Like, do the very worst case scenarios and make sure you're still going to make it. I mean, still do the like reach for the stars numbers so you can dream and you can see what you can try to achieve. I think you should always do that as well. Cause you can be like, this is what it could be. And anytime you're looking at a property, you should see like, is there value add, you know, is there something I can add to, to, you know, create more value here or is what you have, is that just what you get, you know, and it, and it better be a good return with what you're getting. The other thing too is really have savings or have some other kind of revenue stream coming in because the first year, like, you know, don't don't expect to really make anything because everything's going to be going back in the business trying to get it to where you want it to be, um, and then really try to figure out all the unexpected costs. I know, like, with when starting a business, I you you will pay taxes on every single. Like, I can't, like, we have, like, I swear, like, eight different, like, different taxes we have to pay on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that you just don't think about. Like, suddenly, because you've always been, as an employee, you get paid, your employer sets a, set a, sets aside your, you know, your payroll tax or your insurance or, you know, whatever it is. But now, as the employer, you need to make sure you're setting aside those things. You know what I mean? And you have to make sure you're paying those and that you have reserves and that you have... Um, there's just a lot that you have to just keep track of. 
So trying to go in with it, your eyes open as much as possible is... And stay organized, right? Yeah. Because there are so many moving parts. And we're learning things all the time. Like we just got a letter in the mail from the government saying, hey, you guys have a restaurant on your property. You have to uh, pay your annual um, food preparation fee. I don't even know. There's like a, a fee for everything. And there's a Beyond tax. your business license, beyond <laughs> all that stuff, you know. And, and so there's a tax the government's just everything. like, oh, yeah, let's... Stuff in but at the same time, I think trust your gut. If the numbers make sense and you feel good about it, jump in. And even if you're making, you know, building the parachute on the way down, you're going to learn. And, and I mean, you're not going to learn unless you get started. So, I mean, try to go in as much as your eyes open as possible. But at some point, you got to take that leap of faith and just dive in and do it. Yeah, for sure. But also don't get emotionally attached to it. If the numbers don't make sense, don't do it. Right? If no. you're going to go bankrupt... But you love love the property, love the deal so much, but you're going to get financially ruined. And you can see that in the numbers. Follow your head, not your heart on that one. Robert, so. I feel like you're talking to me now, <clears throat> personally. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> with, That's advice I give everybody. With this uh, current deal I'm looking at. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, thank you guys so much. This was an awesome conversation. Sorry for the few coughing attacks. Um, my voice went out this weekend, so I'm still recovering. Um, but where can folks learn more about Big Rock Candy Mountain? And then, you know, if they would like to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can find us at BigRockCandyMountain.com. That's the best place to check out our resort, check out everything. Uh, if you want to connect with us personally, you can you can follow us on social media. Our TikTok channel is kind of about our adventure at the Big Rock Candy Mountain and stuff we're doing. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Robert Thompson, um, and uh, or Crystal Thompson as well. Um, and YouTube as well. And YouTube, we're getting our YouTube channel up and going, and Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us on all these channels and see see what we're doing, and come come pay us a visit. Send us a direct message, whatever. Whatever you want to do, however you want to connect with us. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Best of luck with Big Rock. Um, I can't wait to continue to see all the updates that are being made. And we'll make sure to leave all those different links in the notes for everyone um, so that they can reach out to you and check out Big Rock. Thank you again so much and uh, have a good one. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.